Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you stories that will educate you, inspire you, and give you hope. I want to take and acknowledge my studio sponsor, the Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency located right here in downtown Chandler, as well as today's episode sponsor is HK Photo Smiles. That would be Holly. Over 20 years experience, she delivers headshots and branding photos that work for you when you leave the room. They also preserve your legacy with family photos, capturing memories for a lifetime. Today, my guest is Ms. Wante Daly. She's been an Arizona resident for over 20 years, relocated from California to provide her two sons with a better education and quality of life. Wante is a veteran, thank you. You're welcome. An author, a mental health advocate, and a certified life coach with a bachelor's in science degree in criminal justice. She's the founder of today's spotlighted nonprofit organization, D Squared Homes for the Homeless, where she's also supporting the mental health challenges with residential assistance, the homeless with hygiene bags, and the youth in here in Maricopa County. But we'll get into the details on that one. Please help me welcome my guest today, Wante Daly. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm excited to be here, finally. Welcome to my new platform and studio. This is beautiful. Isn't this is beautiful. Um, we started out um, in, you know, on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't done a Zoom interview? So thank you for doing this again. That way there's more of an exposure for people to understand more about what you do and yeah. what I do. Yes, yes. So now, um, you know, we are all aware of mental health, mm -hmm. but we're not educated on mental health. There's okay. assumptions. There's a lot yes. of assumptions. We think if we see someone homeless, they've got issues or mm -hmm. the list goes on, which we're going to go to why you founded D Squared mm -hmm. for the homeless, because you're an advocate yes. for the homeless and mental health. So let's start with what inspired you to do this? So mental illness um, runs in my family and I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I moved out here, it's been about uh, 20 years. And when I, um, in around 2009, my son had his a psychotic episode mm. and I had no idea that he had schizophrenia and um, the doctor said, well, you know, he'll probably never work again. He was only 20 at the oh time. Oh my God, that's young. Yes, um, and three years later, he was working full time as a mental health counselor. He had his own apartment, his car, he had everything. Mm -hmm. And that really just alerted me to the fact that the doctors don't know everything. No. You know, here my son is doing exactly the opposite of what they said that he could do. So that stigma people have, mm -hmm. that is something I wanted to um, kind of break up. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward six years, my son lapsed into homelessness over a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. um, we applied for temporary housing and um, he was denied over a $40 income shortage. Shortage, $40. Yes, yes. So okay. he had just started getting unemployment. His check was 960. It needed to be $1,000. Oh. So um, he lived in Kiwanis Park for a year. <gasps> yes, we didn't think, we didn't know it would be that long. And I just assumed because I'm a fighter, okay, I'm going to fight for my son and I'm going to get, you know, the help he deserves because, again, he still had that diagnosis. Um, and we never received help. And uh, what I realized is that 
even though we're going through the system with the mental health, the mental health system, and they're saying independence is um, the goal, mm -hmm. when they become independent, that independence becomes a liability, oh. and they don't receive the help. I the, didn't realize that. that yes, and okay. so um, at that time, my son lived in the park, and I was really devastated because I'm used to just fighting to get everything. I'm like, I'm gonna work 10 times hard to make it happen. Wasn't happening with my son. Um, so at the time I decided to start a nonprofit that helped the SMI population, so serious mental illness, and that's depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, when they're working full time, because a lot of people don't realize they work just like us, sure. um, and they have that temporary setback, I wanted to provide rent. Oh. to help them so they did not lapse into homelessness. So my GAP program I came up with, it's the Prevention of Homelessness Program. Mm -hmm. um, so I started that and, but you know, while he lived in the park, that was the first time I had conversations with the homeless population. And I am ashamed to say, but it's important to say that I never paid any attention to the homeless community. Like I never gave them money, never gave them anything, and really assumed that they made a bad decision, and that's how they ended up there. You know, whether it's drugs or mental illness, like There's you know, everybody thinks that that stigma. Yeah, yeah. And um, when my son lived in that park, and I started talking to um, the people there, I mean, I realized that everybody is one crisis away from uh, homelessness. I mean, I met a mom and her daughter that was 18 homeless because the father died, she's a widow, couldn't keep the house, they're living in the park, the daughter's getting up, catching the bus to college, wow. as if she's living in the house, but she's not. I met another gentleman who was working, I met a couple of people who were working, living in the park, they lost housing, and they didn't have any support to help them, you know, when they have that temporary setback. And so at that time, um, I met, this is the last example, because this is the person that made me change what I was doing in the nonprofit. So I met a woman, um, she got a job um, working at Denny's, which is right by Kiwanis Park, while she was homeless, raised some funds, we bought her a bike, we um, purchased clothing for her, the uniform, and she started working. She didn't have enough money to live, um, to get into a place, and she died in that park. She oh. died, and I'll never forget it. And I remember thinking, what if I had the money to help the homeless population get into housing? They're working. And so I changed the nonprofit. So we help the mental health challenge who's working with temporary setbacks. And now we pay the move-in costs and application fees for the homeless community. So, and that's why wow. I started um, this, along with changing my family tree. Yeah. Um, mental illness is a big deal for me. Um, before I started this nonprofit, I was actually writing a book and I wanted to share with families that the issues um, that they will have when they're keeping those secrets, right? Mm -hmm. So we have those family secrets, we don't tell anybody. Um, and because my family didn't tell me when my son went to court and the judge asked me if um, mental illness ran in my family, I said no, because I had no idea. So to this day, which is what, 13, 14 years later, my son has never received disability. He's never received a dime from the state. And even though we've appealed like four or five times, so you can have a diagnosis because his, his diagnosis is schizophrenia, but then the state decides if you, can, you, know, if you um, are qualified to receive an income. 
And so the last thing they told us, which was not too long ago, is that his level of disability is not um, enough for them. It doesn't really qualify. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's one thing that I have in my heart, and that is, you just said, ev everyone could be one crisis away. One crisis away, one mm -hmm. paycheck away is what I used to hear. It is absolutely one crisis away. Mm -hmm. Um, because I've lived that a couple times with mm -hmm. my own life, and I won't say it with shame, with the, using the word shame. Everyone should have a place to call home. Yes. Everyone should have a sense of belonging. Everyone should have a, a, a place where they can put their head down and mm -hmm. feel safe. Mm -hmm. And then when you talk about the things that you couldn't qualify for or didn't know about, and even if you knew Wante, how many people are out here that say, I'm that person, but I don't want anyone to know fear of shame. Right. The judgment. And then you already talked about the stigmas. Right. And that makes it more difficult. So then we're going to lose people living in a park because right. they were afraid to say, I need help. Mm -hmm. Or someone that says, I don't know, so you don't qualify. Right. And that's, it's a bad cycle. Our, our system is broken. It's been broken in many different areas. Yes. Where there's funding for some areas that you go, huh? And mm -hmm. then you have to qualify for other areas. You go, to, huh? <laughs> well, and then the other thing that really was a shock is that you actually have to be homeless for quite a while before you get some help, right? So, oh my gosh. yeah, you have to be. It's not like you, you know, become homeless. You can get help that day. Um, my son, um, because we, we had a couple of interviews and they wouldn't help him and they have like this certain testing that they provide. Yeah. So basically, if you're able to still like work and... Um, still have your senses about you. They just kind of feel like you need you to pull yourself you. up mm -hmm. by your bootstraps mm -hmm. and they're not going to help you. So, yeah. You know, there's another word that just came to my mind. Pride. Yeah. I have pride. Who doesn't have pride? Yeah. We don't want to say I'm that short from whatever or I'm, you know, from a breakdown. Yeah. Or from a financial crisis or mm -hmm. being homeless or whatever the list goes on. Well, now, though, think about it. COVID has shown us mm -hmm. what can happen, you know, and how many people lapse into homelessness because of something that was not their fault. Just like my son had nothing to do with the diagnosis because he didn't have any issues mm -hmm. there. He had recovered. Mm -hmm. But the people that lost their jobs due to COVID, right, a lot of people are homeless because of that. They mm -hmm. lost their jobs. They couldn't you know, survive financially. So mm -hmm. I'm running into a lot of families, entire families that are working and living from their car. So I actually stood in front of a student body about a week ago of 833 students total from the hours of nine to three in the afternoon on an mm. assembly just before Thanksgiving uh, break. And I went up there to talk about gratitude. Mm. You know me personally about being grateful. <laughs> yes, yes. Even when I have a tough day, I go, but there's somebody that's got it worse. Yes. Or I have this, and I better go back to thinking, at least I got this. Yes. And the responses that I got put me into tears on some of these students, and that was, I had students that said, actually a couple that came and set me aside, and I wanted to cry because they were crying, that I touched them in a way they didn't know that I was going to touch them, and I didn't know mm. I was going to touch them this way. And one of them said, I'm grateful to be able to come to school so I can have food, yes. friends, wow. a teacher, because we live in our car. Mm. And you just said some different scenarios mm -hmm. that we don't know. Someone could be serving you at Denny's and living in their car, but they got to figure out how to get off this 
cycle or wherever they're at. Maybe it's mm -hmm. not a cycle, it's just a down mm -hmm. and they don't want to be in the system. So Correct. they're going to do the pride thing. I'm going to do what I can. Mm -hmm. And I've heard those success stories too. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Um, it's good to know that there's organizations such as yours that is able to give whatever the yeah. amount is and however your program is to be able to assist them. Which brings me into the next thing is um, the programs. You have mm -hmm. programs apart with this as far as how you assist individuals. Yes. Can you yes. give us some more information on that? So for the GAP program, it's not funded by grants, surprisingly. It's so not. when I know, um, when I started this nonprofit, I wasn't expecting to receive grants. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to the community and I asked um, supporters to donate $10 per month for a as a recurring donation because my son only became 40, you know, it's only $40. So I think people think there's always a lot of money yeah. required to prevent homelessness, but it's not. So um, because I've been on my job for 20 years at that time, a lot of people knew me and in integrity. So people literally start signing up for those recurring donations. Nice. They um, donate whatever amount they like. So I asked for 10 and some do 10, 20, 50, 100. One of my friends did 200 for um, quite a bit. And so that's how I pay the rent. And how I work it, because I do have a full-time job, is I go through case managers. So the case managers have clients who are not receiving that assistant through a grant. Mm -hmm. And so I pay the move-in cost and application fee for that case manager's client. And then that way, I don't have to worry about trying to vet them, you know, look at their income. All that is done for me. Mm -hmm. And so that was a way for me to help before I um, had transitional housing. Because wow. that's a whole nother monster. I thought I'd have this nonprofit and I'd have this transitional housing. No. Mm -mm. People have a misconception with nonprofits too. And um, oh. they think that there's all this funding. And it's a, there is for some research. I mean, there yes. is resources for helping nonprofits. But if you don't fall under a certain listing that's already been there to get grants or for someone mm -hmm. to understand what your mission is. I'm sorry, that doesn't follow. I can't help you. And I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I found this because I did see that there was a need for it. Yep. I have my own nonprofit, as you know, and I don't, mm -hmm. mine's unique as well. And I'm still trying to figure out how to get the same thing going because yep. people don't realize that it is a need because of my personal journey in my life, like you shared yes. with yours. So that's why a lot of these nonprofits People are like, oh, you're a nonprofit. You probably have money. No. No, and I still work a full-time <laughs> job. I've been on right. my job for 23 right. years. Yes. <laughs> and I run a nonprofit. The other program we have, which is the one that I actually started with, is the hygiene program. Um, I started this because when my son lived in the park, I would take him hygiene, pick him up, bring him home on the weekend, take a shower, all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking around at all these people, and I'm like, nobody's bringing them anything. And it seems like something that just would, that just makes sense. But like my eyes were just open to a world that I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, and so we created the hygiene bag program and um, we collect um, hygiene donations and um, non-perishable snacks. And the youth actually um, started off um, collecting and filling the bags. And I think they did it every two weeks. And then for the backpacks that we have, um, we get sponsors for those. And um, because when my son was out there, you know, you'll usually see the homeless with a plastic bag from fries or something like that. You can't keep anything in the, there. So I wanted to have a backpack that they could just put on their back and keep like their personal things with them. 
Um, and so our hygiene bag program is um, now open to the community. So we get together, we fill hygiene bags in the park. Um, I have a lot of sponsors like Bombas is a um, big sponsor. They send us uh, 5,000 pairs of socks. Midwest Food Bank is a sponsor. United Healthcare is a sponsor. They sponsored our bags. Um, so they uh, gave me $10,000 this year, um, last year also. Um, and so we get the hygiene bags and then get some of the donations and fill the bags. And then I will normally go and distribute those um, in Phoenix because that's where the larger homeless population is at, you know, at one time in one place on the Human Service Campus, which is where we're going Saturday. You are. That's where we're going. You just yeah. brought in something else because we are in the same community and I did mm -hmm. meet you through me working a, at a nonprofit yes. organization and you came in and, mm -hmm. and gave your pitch about what it was that you were there mm -hmm. for and how we could help you. And then I also know the organization you're going to as well and yep. the people. And it's really a neat community when you have a community of people that you can relate to that are wanting to serve the same mission yes. of helping other people. Which brings me to the collaborations that people can have. Not just a collaboration mm -hmm. with sponsors being businesses, but then you've got the other nonprofits that if they can't do this in one area, they have all these other areas that you can come together and still serve exactly. in one. I love the collaboration exactly. that we have here. And I'm going to mention this other nonprofit that's super cool. So we actually collaborate at Andre House, mm -hmm. and they're called Smoke and Hope, and it's a barbecue nonprofit. It's I've so never cool. Heard of it. Oh my gosh, and the barbecue is so good. Um, so we meet at Andre House, and they serve a barbecue meal, like a full meal plate, sit down dinner. Okay. Um, and then we distribute the hygiene bags. Um, so Smoke and Hope and I, we collaborate. Um, this Saturday, I will be giving away socks and um, clothing. Okay. And uh, so I love like collaborating with other nonprofits because we all do different things. But I really love Smoke and Hope because they're feeding and the barbecue is, oh my, it's so good. Might be somebody <laughs> I have to come and spotlight here. You should, yes. Yes, yes. yes. I'm all about yes. making the difference to whoever I, however I can as a resource Yes, too. thank okay. you. Wonderful, so you talked about the programs and the community connections, we just talked about that. Oh, except the youth program. Oh yes, tell me more about the youth program. Okay, so the youth development program initially worked where I gave scholarships to the seniors in my program because they actually ran it. They collected the donations, they put the hygiene bag fields together and it was a ton of work. So I uh, distributed two scholarships per year. This last year, Karasi Coulter, our ambassador, she was Phoenix um, Outstanding Youth of the Year nice. because of her work with D-Squared. She won the Junior Achievement Award. She won a full ride scholarship to Chapel Hill. Um, yes, if you Google her, Karasi, K-A-R-A-S-I, C-O-L-T-E-R, you will find her and she talks about D-Squared and you'll see her going out in the oh, community. Wow. She wrote a proposal when she was 14. And she, yes, and so she led the program in Phoenix um, for the last couple of years and just went off to college. But I decided to change the program this year because I feel like you can letter in um, academics and you can letter in sports and school, but you cannot letter in service. And so I really feel like we need to get our youth to learn the importance of investing in their community mm -hmm. because they're the future. I mm -hmm. mean, when you look outside and you see all these people living on the streets, if our kids don't care about that, that's a problem. So what I did with the program is I changed it and now youth 14 through 18 can earn a scholarship by um, 
working in the community. So they actually volunteer with some of our um, community partners. They're earning points. And then at the end of that year, three of them will receive a scholarship. And so some of my community partners, Cise Puede, Guadalupe Teen Court, um, Paz de Cristo, Midwest Food Bank. So they go out and serve. I added a piece about having them write an um, essay about mental mm -hmm. illness mm -hmm. and about homelessness. And they can also interview some of the people that we've helped so that they can speak to someone who was homeless mm -hmm. and is no longer homeless, who does have a mental illness to help get rid of that stigma. So that's the youth development program. And, and since I just started it, it's, it's really new. We do have a few youth, so I'm walking around and doing some kind of um, presentations at schools. But a long-term goal, and long-term to me is like three months, I want to offer this to foster cares and group homes. No children should um, not have an opportunity to um, earn a scholarship. College is ridiculous, and that's really how I came out. My son graduated from, <laughs> my other son graduated from ASU. Um, and when he started there, uh, $4,000 a semester, and I was like, that yeah, was yeah. more than my mortgage. I graduated from Cal State Long Beach, and when I graduated, um, tuition was 328 And I was like, oh my God, that's such a huge jump. But 4000 I'm like, if you have a nonprofit, we need to always do something for the youth. So I'm really focusing on pushing that um, this year, and then I want to work with corporate um, organizations to help sponsor to help pay for larger grants because the grants now is just money i raise so there's two parts of what you're saying i wanted to add okay and one of them was um the kids you can't letter you already broke it down you can't letter for doing service i do know one program now my children are adults okay. um one of the things i know that they've done because we did it at the nonprofit Fans Across America that I know you still, okay, yes. that you still have a partnership yes. or collaboration with. That's yes. how I met you a couple years back. Mm -hmm. Is um, the volunteering that they come in. They have so many hours in the school program that they have to fulfill to mm -hmm. get money towards their college to be paid. Okay, they can do that there. But I think okay. the lettering thing is better because here's another part to it too. You already said, and we all know that the, the Kids are our future. We were those kids. Yes. Well, so were the people that you just talked about that live in parks. That's right. If we could give them a little more information, resources, or involvement that will help them that in their future that maybe they do have that one moment mm -hmm. away from being homeless or yeah. whatever the case may be, at least they were involved in their community to go, I remember when I did this. I know yes. how it made me feel. I know what I was able to do for that person and how I watched them transition. Yep. I really think that might be a part of something mm -hmm. that could be... I, don't get to do the school system, but I think it would be a great idea. Because mm -hmm. I know when I was going to school at Azu, the elective classes, I don't even think they have elective classes anymore, where you learned how to change a tire, auto, mechanic, um, you know, wood bake. shop, baking, yes, <laughs> sewing. Here's another yes. one for you, ready? Typing. Yes, 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 <laughs> We're yes. We're like, what's typing? No, mm -hmm. you, know, you have to do texting. Mm -hmm. But these are the things that, these were supposed to be the basics for us to be able to go mm -hmm. out and do something in the world. Okay, yeah. I've learned how to change my tire a couple times. Mm -hmm. And we already know we don't type a whole lot like we used to yeah. you know, with a typewriter. But these essentials that we need to know mm -hmm. are the basics of survival. And if we have an understanding in our mind and, and connect with our heart as to taking the stigma away, as well as educating these kids, because those kids, we already know it's going to be guaranteed that 
One of these kids is going to have something happen and they're going to be that one that's oh, in the yeah. park. Oh, yeah. Or they're going to be that success story that gets turned around because of someone like yourself that mm -hmm. saw a need. But if we can give it and instill it. But that's just me, you know, thinking logically. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> what a concept. Yeah, it's a great concept. <laughs> Vote for me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Um, so I, I love all of what you just said. So you talked about the programs and the community connection we've already talked about. Oh, there's the another one. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I, I forget to talk about it often because it's just kind of blowing up on its own. So okay. for the last couple of years, we have been um, making homeless sleeping mats I was out of plastic next. bags. I was going to go there next. <laughs> and so in the beginning, we would crochet them. And I say that as if I could crochet and I don't. Um, I'm just the facilitator. I'll drop <laughs> off the plastic bags. I, I can drive the car. I donate um, a lot of bags all the time for that very okay. cause. Yes. Okay. And um, so in three years ago, when I started that program, I thought the youth would be excited about that and they could care less. They didn't want to do it. Oh. So I reached out on Facebook and asked if um, any adults wanted to do it. And so at one point before COVID started, we had 200 people on that um, on our plurin team. And so, because it's something that they could do from home. Mm -hmm. So they all collected their own bags, they cut, prepped the bags, and then passed it on to the person that um, crocheted. Mm -hmm. um, and then when COVID hit, it became difficult because you know a lot of people thought it could live on the bags, and it could for a couple of minutes. Um, and so this year, because there's so many more people that's homeless, I saw um, someone, an organization, making a mat on a loom. And so I saw that and I'm like, that's such a fantastic idea because multiple people can work on a project at one time mm -hmm. and then we could get the mats out faster. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very resourceful. Mm -hmm. The loom was so big that it wouldn't fit in my car. So oh. I was mad. Yeah, like it was like their loom, like I, I borrowed it, uh -huh. um, but it was too big to fit in my car. So I had to have a volunteer <laughs> go pick it up. And then I had like all these families wanted to, um, you know, get it and try it and they were excited, but it was too big. So I asked a volunteer to make it. So now we make the looms. <gasps> We distribute the looms in schools. So the looms are actually in five schools right now. There's two in the Chandler Library. Nice. And um, in fact, we're gonna have an event at the Chandler Library December 10th from 1 to 3.30. And starting in um, January, there'll be one night a month and there'll be a Monday from four to seven where the library will be open for the community to come in and work on the project and help us weave the mats nice. on the loom. So I'm really excited about that because believe it or not, those plastic bags are comfortable. Like if you have to sleep on something, and I guess it's because it's like put together, I wish I had thought to um, have one in my car, but they're very comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I came up with that idea because again, when you're in the park, you're sleeping on the ground, on the bench, something like that. So- um, Wanta, you know what it do also that. does? And I do this. I, I'll go to the store and I'll forget my own bag. And they'll say, do you want to put this in a bag? Nope, I'll carry it all out like this. Because all I'm going to do is take that bag, take everything out, and it's going to go in the landfill. Mm -hmm. Unless I bring it to you, of course. Yes. But that's how many times that people are doing that. Mm -hmm. It's just a, from one location to another. And so I love that you're doing that. Yep. So yep. thank you. Yes, and I'm working on, um, I want to have a project where we actually have a training program and this is just like a concept came up with um, about two weeks ago where we're actually training developmentally disabled mm. um, students, um, youth, uh, homeless, 
because there's a lot of skills that they can use and it's really a great project for children with autism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So kind of expanding that, but for right now, we have the looms in a few schools and we're working on getting them into other libraries as well. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's the students cool. can go in and earn community service hours, yeah. but actually a lot of adults come in a lot more than the, than the youth, but the whole purpose is just to um, get the community working together. And I really, that's my favorite part about that. The connection. People are at the connection, mm -hmm. coming together Absolutely. and we're working on this mm -hmm. together, you know, even colleges, because we also take our hygiene bags to colleges. I never thought about homeless students in colleges. I've heard and of so I have a collaboration with um, Chandler Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And so we take bags there as well. We also train their nursing students on plarning. So they get together, we go there and we train them and they prep the bags, they, they weave and wow. make the, yeah. So and we've been doing that for a while. Oh wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. That we're, no wonder I'm tired. It's like <laughs> <a> <laughs> All right, but you're always in motion and I see you, so I'm grateful yes, for that. Yes. Before I ask my final question, okay. um, is there anything that I didn't, we've already established the different programs, mm -hmm. that I didn't add in here or ask? And then where can you be found should someone want to know more about your organization, donations, volunteering, maybe doing some of these these mats. Yes, so um, some of the things as far as donation is we're on um, smile.amazon.com. So for those that love to shop, you can go to the smile.amazon.com website, choose D Squared Homes for the Homeless as your participating um, charity, and they donate 0.05% to us on a quarterly basis. We're also connected to FRIES, so the FRIES Rewards Program. And um, if you sign up for that, we also receive a donation quarterly from all the shoppers. Um, and our code is IL29. Um, let's see, how else can you donate? You can donate on our website, um, D squared, the number four, homeless.org. And the volunteering, you can email volunteers at D squared for homeless.org. Um, the four is the important thing because usually people spell that out, but it's the number. I thought yeah. I was being smart, but apparently it confuses <laughs> a lot of people. Um, some other things that I really need right now are volunteers to help with marketing and fundraising. We're going into year four, which mm -hmm. I cannot believe. Mm -hmm. um, so in April will be four and we are really growing a lot. So I can use a lot of um, volunteers to help behind the scenes. And as you know, I actually want to do a podcast also. We've talked about um, it. My goal is to interview um, people who were previously homeless and um, those that have a mental health challenge to really address that stigma piece. Because I know several people who used to be homeless and they are no longer. So we also need to provide that hope, which you're so good doing. <laughs> That's what I like to do. This, I love yeah. what I do. I came up with the idea based on my own observation of things and my own walk of life. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I'm not the only one who's got a story. So yeah. I live outside of my own world to see what's going on in someone mm -hmm. else. And I, I mentioned this a little while ago to someone else. I was like, someone says, do you know what it means to stay in your own lane? You know, people mm -hmm. like just stay in your own lane. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but I bring everyone in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm bringing them in with me. And we need to Why do not? that. We need to do that, especially when it comes to the stigma. Uh -huh. And then next year, I really want to focus more on the mental health piece, because one of the things about the youth, which is why I love working with them, is, you know, they're looking on social media and comparing themselves. So uh -huh. social media is a yeah. big issue when yeah. it comes to depression of our students, 
the comparison trap. So what I love about my program, self-esteem, yeah. is getting them out and away from their phones mm -hmm. so that they can do other things with their mm -hmm. hands. So I love when they come together and help fill bags and weave and learn about what's happening. Well, in the and community. if you think about it, even if they did still want to stay connected to social media because that's what you the what? youth do, and we as an yeah. adult want to see what's going on, but we don't have to get trapped into what right. the social media does. Mm -hmm. Depends on where you're at. That's a perception of where you're at in your life. But it also gives them that sense of I did something for someone else, and then they can post it, yes. and it becomes a positive now versus Correct. watching everyone else do the comparison thing. Love it. But it does turn into a positive comparison if you think it about does. it. It does. Because it's like, wait a minute, you're doing that? Well, I can do that too. It does, but because sometimes I can be a Debbie Downer, the mm -hmm. teen suicide rate increased a lot um, since COVID hit. Being on the and phone it's almost like there. yeah just yeah. The, and then and then one of the things you notice also and I see it when I go out to eat is a lot of the parents are on their phone mm -hmm. and the children are on their phone mm -hmm. and um, I think it was Compass Christian Church um, last year or was it earlier this year they had a program for teenagers mm. and it was a mental health summit okay and um, they're gonna have it again in February and it um, had the parents and the youth in separate rooms so they could talk about the depression, mm. mental health and all that kind of stuff. So sure. it's a real big thing. So even though we're saying, okay, they're not addicted, even adults are addicted to their cell phones. So yeah. we want to ch help change that though. Yep. Thank you. Okay. So my final question. Okay. I always say this to everyone. If there was one question that I could ask to get to know somebody or my assumption of someone in a good way, of course, it would be this question, and I would have no other, no other question to know what kind of person they are. You ready? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm saying <laughs> yes, but I don't know. I'm a little nervous You're now. Yes, yes, okay. It's okay. A, it's a safe yes. Okay. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey? Ooh, it is really don't assume you know someone's story Ooh. that's living outside or has a mental issue because I will tell you that from the people that I've met that's not how they ended up out there right. now whether they ended up on drugs after they were there and then you don't get any help and you know what else are you gonna do all day and who really wants to live in that situation mm -hmm. but my son didn't end up that way and the people that I've met they didn't end up like that mm -hmm. I'll you know live in home and so I would say you know don't assume you know someone's story and talk to them and get to know them mm -hmm. because that's what I did. I assumed and it just blew my mind to mm -hmm. talk to people and see how they became homeless and none of them became homeless like that. The majority of them, they lost housing and they couldn't get any support just like my son. I'm gonna assume your son is doing well now. He's doing good, um, but I will also ha add that once he um, ended up in housing, which I put him in there, I used my retirement money um, then the stigma continued trying to find a job. Then you have to figure out you have the gap on your resume. So he couldn't even get a job at Fry's, which was crazy because my son's college educated. Mm -hmm. But you know, you have the gap in the resume. So there we go, those assumptions, what happened? And we don't want to give them a chance. So I can see why the recidivism rate is so high with people returning like to jail. Because if you can't get help and you're trying to do the right thing, you, a lot of people have no choice but to do things that's, you know, against They don't the think law. you have credibility. Right, right. Yeah. So, or stability. Yeah, so it was oh. hard. His first year after home, year and a half after homelessness was hard, but he's been on a stable job for like the last seven, eight months now. So he's doing well, yeah. Thank you so much for your time today and, and educating me as I introduced 
in my show that that's what you can get and um, hope as well. Yes. A great program. Hope. Yes. Exactly. Well, thank you for having me. I'm yes. so excited to yes. finally get to do this. Thank you again to my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your creative agency located right here in downtown Chandler. I also want to thank my episode sponsor, and that is HK Photo Smiles. That would be Holly, over 20 years of experience. She delivers headshots and branding photos that work for you when you leave the room. They also preserve your legacy with family photos, capturing memories for a lifetime. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story or another nonprofit organization in your community making a difference, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care. <laughs>